When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got not one, but two outstanding college football playoff semifinals. And we got to spend the next half an hour talking about it. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, Ken folk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching the number one college football show, wherever it is you get your podcast, Fox Sports, YouTube, the Twitters. We are live on New Year's Day for those of y'all on the East Coast, fast approaching for the rest of us, myself in Central Time. And my goodness, did we have a great way to ring in the new year with not one, but two outstanding college football playoff semifinals. Let's get started right away with the game that just ended. That would be number one, Georgia versus number four, Ohio State, playing in what was a de facto home game for the Georgia Bulldogs. Final score, 42-41, and it was a doozy from the jump. Let's start from where I think a good jumping off point was. Is Ohio State came out absolutely boxing in this. Not a lot of folks expected them to show up in the way that they did, especially not having Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is, basically been true since week one not having Travion Henderson which has basically been true since the ninth week of college football I mean we're talking about really missing him against Michigan and really missing him well for the next four uh, four weeks after that and then losing Marvin Harrison Jr but I'm getting ahead of myself there so Ohio State is ahead 28-24 at half and it felt like Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs were going to get this figured out especially as well we had yet to see the emergence of one Brock Bowers as Darnell Washington left the game in the second half. He was in a boot. Cade Stover needed to be taken to a local hospital with back pain. So both outstanding tight ends in this game were lost for most of the game. And that really sucks because we all want to see the best players playing the biggest games of the season. But I thought it was really interesting that one of the players that I had highlighted that Ohio State needed to take advantage of was one in which many people thought was there for the picking. That was Keely Ringo, the hero of the 2021 National Championship Georgia Bulldog team and really a feast or famine type of player. If you're looking for an NFL comp, I'd say Trayvon Diggs, right? Because Trayvon Diggs is that dude. He will jump around. He'll also get torched on a route because that's just the way he wants to play football and it works for him. Keely Ringo is that guy because he's not totally sound with his technique, but is supremely talented he can take those sorts of chances and early on we got to see the likes of Marvin Harrison Jr. going at his neck especially to start in the first half and then a little bit later on we get to see them go away from Marvin Harrison Jr. as the rest of the playbook started to open up for C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day and it was a great day for C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day let's not get that twisted that dude had over 300 yards passing and he was flipping the ball not just to Marvin Harrison Jr. but at Mecca Buka. And of course, Julian Fleming was coming on a little bit strong toward the second half when there was no Marvin Harrison. But why was there no Marvin Harrison? You'll remember going into the fourth quarter of this game, right? Just before it, Marvin Harrison Jr. 
was going up for a ball that looked like C.J. Stroud was trying to throw out of the back of the end zone, but just ended up being a duck. Going up for that ball, and he gets hit in what we think is the head, right, with by Javon Bullard. It's not rule targeting, but if anybody's watching that game, it's like, oh, so Marvin Harrison Jr. knocked himself silly? Because it feels like he got to hit that dude in the head for him to be down and go into concussion protocol. Huge call or non-call, depending on your point of view here. But it means that Marvin Harrison Jr. will not play the rest of that game. And that had to figure in to not just how Ohio State was playing the rest of its game, but how Georgia was choosing to defend Ohio State. Now, going up 14 after hitting a field goal on that play where it looked like they were going to have an opportunity to score seven there. You got to think that that was the game there. Now, I'm also looking at this game going, yo, Ohio State's leading 38-24 to start the fourth quarter. That's a game that you ought to win if you're a Buckeye fan and one that you don't feel great about if you're a Georgia fan. I thought it was targeting after that, but it doesn't really matter because if you're leaving it up to the officials, you haven't done your job as a football team. Now, we also got to see that LeBron James is still out there absolutely showing love to his Buckeyes. I thought it was really interesting that even at 38, One of the things that he wishes he had done in his life was play football for the Ohio State University. And I think all of us kind of salivate over what kind of a wide receiver he might have been. Some of y'all want to line him up in tight end and really just not take advantage of his Megatron-like abilities. But I'm one of those folks that would have loved to see that dude in a Buckeye uniform. And, you know, frankly, playing basketball, too. Didn't go that way, but it's nice to think about. And it's also nice for him to share some sort of – I should say something in common with Marvin Harrison Jr. And that, you know, I think they both would have been pretty great wideouts. But the dude that absolutely put Georgia back into this football game is another wide receiver. Name's Kiaris Jackson. Came up with a huge play that Georgia had to have because when you're down by two scores, going into the fourth quarter, you got to strike and you got to strike quickly. Because if you want to play the kind of methodical football that I know Kirby Smart wants to play, you're going to need to put yourself into striking distance. And they were able to do that with guys like Kiaris Jackson getting together on that last drive, and then you're closing in on Ohio State. You feel as if you get a stop on Ohio State. You have a chance here. And Stetson Bennett came up big with some passes. I didn't think that he'd be able to pull this out, but he did with minutes left to go in the game. And then you give Ohio State the ball back with just under a minute left to play. Man, I think everybody was thinking what I was thinking at the time, which is you want to get Noah Ruggles in the field goal range because it felt like Noah Ruggles was going to make that kick for you, right? He'd been that guy for them most of the year. He gets in the field goal range. It's a 50-yarder and misses it left. Uh, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Buckeyes. It was there for them. But what this also meant is an outstanding football game and an outstanding finish to a football game. If you're Ohio State, you acquitted yourself well, right? You wanted into this game. Ryan Day was very, very loud about, I'm going to be aggressive. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to take advantage of this second opportunity that we have. I'm going to leave it all out on the field. Now, one other point that I just missed on my own rundown here is Kirby Smart's ability as a football coach to make a football coaching decision when the game's on the line. So you'll remember that Ryan Day had Georgia all the way set up for a fake field, uh, excuse me, fake punt that it felt like they were going to get, right? And right before the snap, Either Kirby Smart saw it or somebody got in his ear, but he called timeout, right? And that felt like perhaps the best football play of the game. This is actually uh, a take that I get from senior producer Catherine Donnelly, who is an avid SEC fan. Congratulations to her balls. But also, if you don't make that call, if you don't make that timeout and you are Kirby Smart and they convert that uh, fourth down into a first down, we don't talk about this game in the way we are. I think that Ohio State would have been able to eat more clock 
and prevent Georgia and Stetson Bennett from having an opportunity to go take a lead at all in this game. Even as they scored late, I was like thinking maybe C.J. Stroud and that offense can figure something out. And then you remember that Marvin Harrison Jr., your fixer for everything, is not in this game anymore. The guy for which you just say, hey, Marvin, save us. Throw it up. We're going to go get it to you. Didn't have him there for you. And shout to Georgia and its defense, which found a way, right? Nobody wants to give up 41 in a game, especially Kirby Smart and his defense. But if you are Ohio State, you did. You put up 41 on that team, defending national champs. And I thought they played an outstanding football game. I feel bad for all of the Buckeyes because I understand what this game meant to them, especially coming off the loss to Michigan. They would have liked nothing more than to get into the national championship game and also to get into the national championship game knowing that Michigan lost to TCU, which is where I kind of want to go with what we're talking about now, man. All right. So before this 42 to 41 game that featured two of the best teams in college football and two teams I wanted to see play each other in the worst way for years, we got what we did not deserve. I, I take that back. I deserved it. You deserved it. We deserved it. Okay. We got an outstanding football game in the afternoon window between number two and number three in the college football playoff. And frankly, a game that myself and others thought would be lopsided. Okay. But number three, Texas Christian stunned number two, Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl 51 to 45. Have a day, Horn Frogs. My goodness. Private school, private Christian school in Texas, absolutely beaten down Michigan. And I say beaten down because you've seen the scoreboard. I, everybody's seen the scoreboard. Michigan ain't put up, ain't allowed anybody to put up more than 27 in any game. And then you got Texas Christian putting 51 up on your skull. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But look, the point needs to be made here. Texas Christian is the underdog of underdogs in the college football playoff, all right? It's not just that they are, you know, not one of the four teams that you expect to be in a college football playoff setting, say, when you make your preseason. It's also that the dude that ended up being the number two, well, I should see the number two on the depth chart, was also the Heisman runner-up, right? That's Max Duggan. If Chandler Morris does not go down against Colorado, we don't see Max Duggan. That's number one. Number two is they were picked seventh in their own damn conference, okay? Nobody expected TCU to be any good, and yet they show up to the Big 12 championship, and they play in such a way that you put them into the college football playoff. Don't know the last time that I've been able to say that about any Big 12 team is that off a loss, you can put them in the college football playoff. But they're there. Now they drew what we thought was the worst of the two te- uh, of the three teams for them to play in a Michigan team that is the polar opposite of what they do. And not just that, Michigan has kind of lived on this philosophy of we want heart over stars. Okay, when you're comparing yourself to Ohio State and Georgia, sure. Number two and number three in the talent composite, whereas Michigan is number 15. And then there's little old Texas Christians who's at number 32. Okay? It's not in the same hemisphere as one Michigan or even Ohio State in Georgia. You're also talking about 42 players on that Michigan roster who have experience in the college football playoff because they played in it last year. You've got exactly one on that TCU team, and that's Marcel Brooks, who was on that 2019 LSU team that won a national championship and transferred to Texas Christian when Gary Patterson was still a head coach, okay? 42 to one. And then, again, just the sheer number of stars and stars having to matter or seeming as if they do matter to folks like me 
we're going to get that challenge here. And that's going to be a big talking point as we go through the next nine days of what is going to be Texas Christian versus Georgia for the national championship. Texas Christian led this game 21-3 at half. Nobody expected that. But, but, I'll be the first one to add, Michigan has made its money in the second half. They adjust and they play great football. That has been their modus operandi. But so has Texas Christian. They have played some of their best football in the second half. As a matter of fact, we make jokes about how Texas Christian is just trying to make this into a ball game. They want to put this difficulty on Madden every single time they play. You don't have to do that, but they do it. They're down to Texas Tech. They come back. They beat them. They're down to Baylor. They run fire drill and make a field goal. My goodness. In the third quarter against Michigan, we're talking about 44 total points being scored, guys. What? Come on now. And you're also talking about this from a standpoint of what I think is Max Duggan versus J.J. McCarthy, when really it was the defenses versus the defenses. And I'll get into that just a little bit more. But as the game was winding down, we saw really some, some questionable decisions, or should we say lack of decisions, by Jim Harbaugh. As it felt like if you were playing to get the ball back, you should have started to use your timeouts on second down at, at a minimum, if not on first down when Texas Christian has the ball with just a few minutes left to play. And there was that real controversial non-call on the last play. Was it targeting? Was it targeting? Wasn't it targeting? I think that it was ridiculous to throw that flag at that point because the game's over. We all know it. You know it. You're only going to keep a dude out of playing in the first half of the biggest game of his life if you do it. And then you picked up the flag. So you wasted everybody's time in the first place. Now, I understand Michigan's being upset about that non-call, but I mean... You got to take advantage of your opportunities when you have them. And I looking at Michigan in this game and I saw an opportunity that, you know, they just did not capitalize. One is JJ McCarthy throwing two uh, picked sixes in this game. Something you just don't, you don't expect from any quarterback. It's one thing to throw a pick. It's another thing for the all 11 dudes to miss on tackling that dude, him getting back to the end zone. You did it twice. You had three turnovers of the ball in this game, right? When you've had seven all year, you had a fourth and goal where you tried to run Philly special instead of taking three or even just running a matter-of-fact play. And I think it's worth mentioning that this play where Roman Wilson caught the ball and his butt's on the goal line, I think it's a TD. You think it's a TD. But it doesn't matter because the officials did not think it was a TD. And if you don't think it's a TD, then it's, it's moved for you. But since you do think it's a TD because uh, you're a college football fan and you saw what your eyes showed you, you're also thinking perhaps what I'm thinking, which is, hey, dog, Michigan got 51 put on its skull, okay? J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes, okay? You're also talking about a game in which you had opportunity to take control of it in the second and third quarter. Look, man, don't leave the game into the officials' hands. Nobody wants to do that, and that's one of the first things you, leave, you learn in Pee Wee. Hey, if it's up to the refs to make a call that's going to win or lose you the game, you didn't do your job. You don't leave it in anybody else's hands. Assume the world is against you. Work from there. Assume that nobody's going to give you anything. Work from there. That's sad, man. I mean, it's a Michigan team that clearly did not come in respecting Texas Christian. I mean, we got guys going through bowl game press uh, interviews talking about what conference is TCU in. We have a quarterback that is talking about if they want to run their base defensive package against us, it's going to be smash fest. It just, that screams to me a lack of respect, a disrespect. And it's not even that Texas Christian is fueled by that disrespect. It's more that 
you didn't really understand how they got here. And I had said it going into this game. If Joe Gillespie can pull out the kind of defensive performance they had against Texas, and granted, Michigan is not Texas, but if they could do it, they got a shot. And that's what they did. They don't blitz a lot because they fill very well. They play man on the outside very well. D. Winters having one hell of a game. Okay? You, you, for whatever reason, they did not believe that TCU was going to come down here looking to win the football game. In that way, I don't think they're any dissimilar from South Carolina uh, and Tennessee or from uh, South Carolina and Clemson. And I can go on, right? If you don't respect the person in front of you and respect their road to getting here, their journey for getting here, you're probably putting yourself in a position to lose. And I'll, I'll say this. Michigan had all the respect in the world for Ohio State going into the game this year. Even after they beat them last year, you heard it oozing out of Jim Harbaugh, a charm offensive. That was an effort at humility, understanding the challenge in front of you so that you can meet it appropriately. I don't think that Michigan did that in this game. And I think Sonny Dykes also, you know, he, he took that. He said it, and I, I mocked him for saying it, honestly. He said, I want J.J. McCarthy to have to be the guy that beats us. And for that matter, J.J. McCarthy was not bad. 20 of 34, 343, two TDs, and the two picks. Two picks are returned for touchdowns. That's the difference in the game. If he does not throw those two interceptions that return for touchdowns, we're talking about a whole different ball game for Michigan here, okay? But still, Jesse mentioned that defense got exposed in a way that haven't been exposed before. Quentin Johnston going to work on them. Darius Davis going to work on them. My goodness, we saw some outstanding play from Amari DeMarcado because Kendra Miller went out with what we think is a lower leg injury. But even that dude had, what is this, 17 carries for 150 yards to, and a TD? You know, and if you look at Max Duggan's line, it does not show you the kind of football he played. He's 14 to 29 for 255, two TDs, two picks. But as I'm watching it, he's making big throws and he's making them to the guys that you expect him to make him to. Like he had one long crossing pattern to Quentin Johnson that was great. And when they had one-on-one -on -one coverage, they took advantage of it. Ronnie Bell had a great game, six catches, 135 yards. And Donovan Edwards did what I expected him to do, 23 for 119. It wasn't lost by the skill players, right? It was lost in preparation. Joe Gillespie identified some ways in which his scheme could take advantage of what Michigan likes to do. And then put J.J. McCarthy in a bind. And in putting him in a bind, he let Bud Clark get in the way and others, right? And they're able to run that ball back. I think Georgia won't make the same mistake, but I could be wrong. At the very least, the Bulldogs ought to show up knowing Texas Christian plays in the Big 12 because if Michigan didn't, they absolutely do now. I mean, my goodness. So as I've been looking through what is left for us in this college football season, right? We have some New Year's Six games that we're going to get to and we'll talk about because very excited about Utah and Penn State and what that's going to be on Monday. Well, it's the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Purdue. But looking at this national championship game, this is the ultimate David and Goliath game for me. Texas Christian is not a team that's supposed to be in this game by anybody's math except their own, right? I, I will fully under uh, take into account that they expect to play in the national championship game. Cool. We all got to think it and say it. We have to believe in our prosperity. We have to say money cometh to me now. We have to say, hey, we can do this. And we have to continue to say it until what we have said has been manifest. I will give that to Texas Christian. But doggone it, ain't nobody else going to do that. Because everybody else is looking at this team going, holy smokes. We didn't know ETCU. We didn't know you wanted it like that. And I'm telling you. 
if they play the kind of football they played against Michigan, against Georgia, they give themselves a shot. And that's all Texas Christian has been about in 2022. Give us a shot. If we're in the ball game, we have a chance to win the ball game. And I'm excited for that because that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be those first three series. You know, if, if they're in the game in those first three series, I expect them to be able to hold on and fight back because they'll get the measure of Georgia. Georgia will get the measure of them. And then we'll get to see the, the, the two dudes coming off the bench at quarterback going at each other. That's the other thing that's fun to me about this. Stetson Bennett, walk on, Juco, had to transfer back to be the guy. 25 years old out there playing college football, right? Can throw a football over the mountains, Uncle Rico style. Max Duggan got benched for the backup quarterback to the backup quarterback at Oklahoma in Chandler Morris, right? A dude whose transfer was held up by Lincoln Riley because he just wanted to make a point about what you could do. And then was put into the position to succeed by Garrett Riley, and then went back to Max Duggan, and Max Duggan kept his head all the way in, locked in. I'm going to do whatever I can to help this team win. And you saw that in the Big 12 championship. At a time when he could have just said, no, I don't don't want to talk to anybody. I'm hurting too bad. That man came out. He showed everybody his emotion. I think he got Heisman votes off of it because we love authenticity. We want to know that you care about the sport. In that way, it's like comic books to me, man, and comic book superheroes. You know I'm a fan of this. I mean, look behind me. This is where you get to live that story. This is where you get to be the person you were watching on television, the person that you wanted to be when you were in your mama's living room, breaking the coffee table, diving for passes, shucking and jiving, and throwing the ball 60 yards downfield for the game-winning TD. He gets to do this now. They all get to do this now. I'm excited for them. This is what it's about, guys. As much as we want to be in this postmodernist world where we want to talk about, hey, it doesn't actually mean what it means because it's just the thing on TV. It's an illusion. It's not how people live. The hell it ain't. I saw a bunch of dudes on four teams leave their hearts on a football field. And I feel privileged for that, man. I, I really do. I'm, I'm watching these games and trying to keep my analyst mind on uh, to the game. But I'm also, I see hurt. I see passion. I see fire. I see a need. So, yeah, Michigan, we got our differences, and I understand that, and we'll keep them. Running back in 2023, man. I love watching y'all play football this year. You have an identity. You want to run the rock. You got a quarterback that wants to run the rock. You got a tailback in Donovan Edwards who wants to go. You got a quarterback that can throw it downfield. You got a defense that wants to eat. Excited for y'all. Excited for y'all. Ohio State, everybody understands. You want this. You're going to hear it all offseason. You know you're going to hear it all offseason. You're going to do what you need to do. Put your blinders on if that's what you got to do or eat it if that's what you got to do. But you got an opportunity to get back here. It's a good football team. That's the thing about college football playoff. It ain't anybody just kind of eking in, even if we say that what it is, right? The dunked on spot, the four spot. Did it look like Ohio State got dunked on tonight? I don't think so. It's football. Love this sport. The sport was outstanding on the last day of 2022, and I'm grateful to share it with you. All right, quick hitters as we get out of here. Number five, Alabama crushed. Number nine, Kansas State, 45 to 20. Goodness me, guys. Uh, I remember watching this game to start going, okay, dudes, Vaughn, okay, Kansas State. Y'all go show out for the Big 12. And then Alabama decided to say, I, I no, actually, actually, we are, we are him. We're, we're tired of people talking about us as if we lost a step. Yes, we've been on discipline this year, 
but we ain't going out like that. We didn't ask Bryce Young and Will Anderson to play their college football one more time so that we get beat by Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. That's not what it is. And frankly, my top line thought to all of this is, you understand that if Bryce Young, who many people will think is going to be the number one overall pick next in 2023 this year, this year, or Will Anderson, who other people think is going to be the number one overall pick in 2023, will come back to play in a game that for most people is meaningless because it's not for a championship. That's the expectation now. Nobody has a good excuse now. I mean, I understand injury can happen. It does happen. We've seen it happen. But goodness, those dudes risked it. And they were in a battle with a football game where if their talent does not come through, if their talent does not come through, they could lose to Kansas State. And now you're talking about the legacy of players and teams. Because say Texas Christian or Ohio State had got blown out in the college football playoff, there would have been a very loud, very loud group of Tide fans who said, we should have been in the college football playoff. Now, they shouldn't have because you lost to Tennessee and you lost to LSU. Disqualified you. You got to be the same team or close to the same team every week. And if you're not that same team every week, you got to win. Okay? But we're going to remember this Alabama team differently because of how they finished the season. Okay? They went in the Sugar Bowl and they handled their business against the Big 12 champs, against a first-team All-American in the backfield, against a guy, Will Howard, who had been playing outstanding football for the last half of the season. And I believe that guys like Brian Branch got an opportunity to shine and get more eyes on them for what they're going to be about because Will Anderson and Bryce Young decided to play in this game. So many boats were lifted by the rising tide that is Will Anderson and Bryce Young saying, no, we're going to finish this. And I'm telling you, man, People will think about you differently. People, in, uh, we, us, football fans, conservative bunch, we care about showing up to work. Did you show up? Did you put on? Because we don't, we don't remember fondly people that just want to, I don't have it today. You know what? I'm sick. Hell, I had 24-hour flu yesterday. I couldn't move. <laughs> and I'm here chugging and jiving because that's the job. But you also acknowledge the privilege of the job. And that's what Will Anderson and Bryce Young were able to do. Very excited about them. All right. We will talk about the New Year's Six and how those things have played out. That means not just the Sugar Bowl and the college football playoff, but the Rose Bowl. Talk a little bit about the Citrus Bowl on Wednesday. Look for that episode. And then we'll have a national championship preview for you on Friday. And I'll be writing some things in between. Most notably later tonight, I got some thoughts about this matchup between Georgia and Texas Christian that we'll get out for you early in the morning. Other than that, a happy new year to you, especially if you're the Georgia Bulldogs or the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. All right, going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Chad Boulay. Our social media maven is JV on Duncan. I'm the host, RJ. We will talk to y'all in a couple of days. Deuces.